Welcome to another episode of Salvation Solutions. I am Avia. I am Aramis. And I am Pastor D. Today we are talking about management, which mm-hmm. matters most. So you're talking about management with time and with money. Right. So does that also include resource as well? Because you mm-hmm. do have to manage things of that nature. Yeah. Resources, relationships. Um, so we have social capital, which includes our relationships. You have uh, assets, you know, hard assets, soft assets. You have um, uh, tangible assets, intangible assets. You got intellectual property. There's a lot of stuff we got to manage. Like life is a business. And if you don't have to take a business approach to life, then you will mismanage life. If you don't take a business approach to life, you will mismanage life. Mm, you even mean that in relationships as well? Because some people do have relationships as well. Everything. Some people actually take their personal relationships as a business thing, and that doesn't really match too well. Well, it depend, Well, you know, you got to keep things in a proper perspective. Mm-hmm. Things got to be in a proper perspective. But when it comes to life, um, God will bring people into your life for a specific reason. And you got to be able to recognize that. And you got to be able to honor that person and properly manage that relationship. And that's really what it comes down to. How do you how do you manage the people uh, or relate to the people that God has brought into your life. You got to manage that relationship um, with honor, with respect, right? So that you can you can add be adding value to that person at the same time that person adding value to you. You know, so it's all about management. And what we want to talk about is the importance of um, you know management when it comes to our wealth creation strategies in the kingdom of God. The most important key to releasing or entering it into the abundance that God has for us or the wealth creation strategy that God has for us is proper management. When we think about the keys of the kingdom, they're the keys of the kingdom, not the keys to the kingdom. And the difference is when we think about the keys of the idea or the thought behind it is that which which could be or needs to be released from the realm of the kingdom or released from the mechanism of the kingdom or the governmental structure of the kingdom. When we operate in these keys, which is knowledge. Luke's gospel talks about the the scribes and the Pharisees shut up the key of knowledge from the people. So when we talk about the keys, we're talking about revelation knowledge. We're talking about how to knowledge. We're talking about wisdom to unlock. We're going to see in a parable earlier, I mean, later on that, actually now, um, that Jesus talked about uh, the children of darkness are wiser than the children of light as it pertains to economics and wealth creation. And the one thing that separated that was when the white, when the steward um, was told to give an account of your stewardship, he got fearful. Then he went and he applied certain money making tactics or strategies to build wealth or to create wealth or to ascertain the money. Well, he had that knowledge prior to him being told to be put in, to give account of your stewardship. He just didn't apply it. See, wisdom is when you apply that which you know at the right time in the, under the right circumstances. Mm-hmm. Well, he never applied it until he pressure was put on him. And that's symbolic of, of how most believers live their life. Right. They want to sit back and they want to live life in a religious way and sit back and, and, and you know, watch God do it. When God is sitting back, he, he chilling hard. When I said he's chilling hard, man, he's chilling hard. He is at rest. Listen, he's chilling so hard. He only get up for one reason. And that's martyrdom. He ain't getting up for nothing else. He's chilling hard like he's sitting fast. I mean, he ain't getting up for that foolishness we want him to get up for. He's saying, man, you deal with that. Man, <laughs> man y'all deal with that. Y'all got the power. No, he's chilling hard, man. Folks don't see that, though. They don't see it. He's at rest. 
I'm talking about he, like, he reposing for real. Like, he don't get up for your tears. He don't get up for your crying. He don't get up for your for that. He don't get up for that. Listen, you want to move him? Listen, for two things that move him. Faith and martyrdom. Listen, when you when you when you operate in the faith, that thing, that thing turned him on. Can you clarify martyrdom? What do you mean by that? Well, um, remember when um Stephen was uh giving his life. I mean, Stephen was being stoned. Stoned. And he said, Yeah, martyrdom is dealing with, you know, it's when you when you're when you physically, literally, you know, your life is lost because of your stance and because of your preaching of the gospel. They call it martyrdom. Well, Stephen was being martyred because he was preaching. And as he was being stoned, he says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the majesty on high. He wasn't sitting anymore. He was standing because he was watching Stephen give his life for the gospel. That thing moves him. I see him standing. And that's the only other time in the, in the scriptures where we even, it was even referred to as Jesus standing. Everything else is him sitting. He's at rest. Only one thing, get him out of that seat. Right? So we have to understand that it comes down to how we manage things, how we, how we manage what he's given us. Management is critical to God. It's so important to him. A lot of the parables Jesus talked about that we'll reference later on was, was about management. It's about what Jesus had already given to people and how they managed it. When you read the Proverbs, it's talking about how you manage your time, how you manage your resources, how you manage your gifting. If you don't do it right, poverty going to take over. Poverty coming. See, we got this notion, this religious ideology to where God is still working things out on our behalf. God is still doing things. God is still going to open this door. God's going God's to make this happen. God's going to lighten your burdens. God's going to you know, do this for you. God's going to ease this up on you. No, it don't work like that, man. They got, us, they got this thing all twisted up. And that's why we go through what we go through collectively as a body. That's why we don't have what we're supposed to have collectively as a body because collectively we have this, this, this mindset that God is still working on our behalf and he's fighting our battles and he's over. He done fought all that stuff. He done got the victory for us. He done won them. He done took the keys from heaven and hell. He done got all, he got all power and all glory that have been given unto him. He said, now you go. Here you go. Go, son. Talk to me about things now. I'm going to give you my spirit. He's going to lead you into everything I want you to do, you know. But if you need to talk to me about things, you can talk to me. But I ain't going to come do what you're supposed to be doing. So what do you think most people miss when it comes to management? Like what, what is it that they're not understanding truly or grasping when it comes to management? I really believe what, they, what we've, and it, and it goes back to probably more what we've been taught or the culture we've grown up in in this religious culture is their responsibility to manage in the first place. It's their responsibility to manage in the first place. Again, what does religion do? Religion disempowers man and empowers God. When it says stuff like this, well, God is in control of everything. When it says stuff like, um, God is about to do this. What? In God's timing. They put everything on God. So they really relinquish me of any of my management responsibilities. The, another word that we, we, we use, uh, that it's a biblical term, it's stewardship. They, they literally strip us of all of our responsibilities of stewardship and management. Because everything is on God. If God wanted it to happen, it'll happen. My, God's my provider. He'll provide for me whenever he wants to. 
They made God a superhero and not a king. <laughs> they make they make him well, we you know, we, we live in a superhero complex uh within the culture, right? Um, you know, and instead of looking at him as a king who listen, one of the greatest management skills of a king is delegation. And the true a king, when he delegates, he delegates. A lot of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. You want to get stuff done. You got to delegate. <laughs> and listen, you don't micromanage when you delegate. Right. Here, you do it. Like I, I was, I was talking to Richard the other day. You, y'all get kicked out of this, right? So we're going back and forth about um, about website design, right? And we got two different facets of, of website. We need, we need a website for the for the clothing line, and then we need a website that introduces who we are for We Value Black Life, and so. You know, he called me back and he was talking about, well, if we need one for this one, then we don't need one for this one. And I'm like, well, we, we got to give it to her first. And we're going back. I said, listen, whatever's going to move you, whatever's going to get you in motion, whatever's going to get you to do the job, do it. I, I, that's, that's secondary to me. <laughs> whatever's going to get you to do it. Well, I, I delegated this to you. If you want to go talk to him first, then go ahead. That's your thing. That's your choice. That's your that's your little, that's your space. Do it. You know what I'm saying? When, when, when a king delegates, he delegates. God delegated to Moses the responsibility to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. He gave him, he gave him the skills, he gave him the gift set, he gave him the leadership ability, he gave him everything he needed. So when the folks got into a tight space and they started whining to Moses, and then Moses started whining to God, God asked him this question. What? Why you come mess with me, man? I'm rest. Why you come mess with me? <laughs> what? <laughs> You go on, man. Go on, lift up your rod. Told him what you go and, and 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 divide the waters. Why you come? When he delegates, he delegates. He's a king. And the greatest management skill that a king has is delegation. Jesus said, "Listen, all power in heaven and earth have been given unto me. I'm giving it to you. Now go. I'm going to go sit down. I'm going to watch y'all. I'm going to watch over you. I'm gonna, listen. I'm going to leave you another comfort. I'm going to leave you orphaned. I'm not going to leave you by yourself." I'm going to send another comforter, Holy Spirit. He's going to lead you and guide you into all the realities that I have for you. He's going to give you my love. He's going to give you my faith. He's going to give you my word. He's going to give you my revelation. He's going to give you my wisdom. Everything I had, you're going to have. Okay, think about that. Everything he had, we have. So why do we got to go crying for him to give us stuff when, when he's already given us stuff? People don't, people don't receive that perception of, of that scripture. They, they, they see that as, as, I don't know, almost blasphemy to think that, well, we have what God has. Like, that religion folk. That's what religion tells folks. We're, 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 you know, we're, 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 we're sinners. We can't have <laughs> the same as what God has. Like, that, that's, that's how they see it. You're right, son. You're right. No, you're right. That's how they see it. Well, another thing with delegation as well, I feel like some people really... And it's, it's so funny because people will talk about how tired they are or how, how they would love to have a team. But number one, they don't trust people, so they don't want to. Or number two, they really want it to feel as if I did it all. Right. I didn't need a team. I did it all. I know how to do everything. So you're, so I don't know, is that pride? Is that what that is? Well, it would be, a- yeah, you know, definitely it would be a pride. Remember, there's three things that fuel the world system. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. So there's a pride that, that goes along with accomplishment. That you want to be able to say, I did this, right? Or you want to take, you want to be able to take, you know, credit for something happening. And that that level of pride, you know, is really, is really 
shouldn't even be because it's impossible. Because the nature of how God set this thing up is that we're, we're an interrelated people. We're an interdependent people. We need somebody else to do what God has called us to do. We need somebody else to do whatever you want. to. If, you, if you're trying to build anything, you can't build it by yourself. You need somebody else to help you do what it is that you, even if, even if we need the people who made these chairs, we needed somebody to make these chairs for us. We didn't make these chairs ourselves. So this is impossible. The way, the way life is designed is to be interdependent upon each other. So the idea of you doing something in your, in your, by yourself and you doing, getting all the credit, it's, it's just silly. It's, it's pride. I mean, it's, it's, it's ignorant pride is what it is. So to delegate and to build a team around you is a part of management. You know, um, your time and your money is something that we, we talk about as being the primary properties that you have to manage well. We have to learn how to manage our time. If there's anything if there's anything Satan is after, the enemy is after, it's your time. He wants to occupy your time. Why? Because what God has called you to do is going to require your entire lifetime. So he wants to get you going in a direction to where your time is occupied to the point where you don't have time to do what God has called you to do. You don't have time to do those things. He can't defeat you, so he has to do everything he can to distract you and to get you focused on something other than what you're supposed to be doing and waste time because all that other stuff that we do that's outside of the confines of the will of God is going to be burned up when it comes to when it comes to the judgment seat it's going to be burned up by the fire of love was love was, was it love that motivated you to do that or did you do that on your own did that come through me or did you decide to do that on your own Satan got you he's going to have us wasting time we're going to waste time and so the thing that we need more than anything is is time management how do we properly manage our time? One of the most important things you can do to properly manage the, well, the beginning of properly managing your time is, is discovering what it is God has called you to do and, and channeling your time and spending your time on fulfilling that particular purpose in your life. That's the first thing we got to do with our time. We got to discover what it is that God has called us to do and apply our time to that, to fulfilling that. That's the first aspect of, of, our, of our time. Um, and then once we, once we, get to the place where we have these two elements. We talked about this earlier, time and money. Those are two things you need to fulfill the will of God on your life. You got to know how to manage your time and your money. When you properly manage your time and you know how to properly manage your money, now you, you reach or you, you, you plateau, so to speak, or you get to a level that God can, you can fulfill the calling of God to a degree that a person who has not managed their time properly and who has not managed their money properly can't do. You at a whole nother level. When you have time and money, I was just reading about um, um, what's the boy uh, <laughs> in Cleveland when LeBron was in Cleveland, the basketball player when 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 uh, he passed the ball when he should have shot it. And oh, J.R. Uh, Smith, we were just reading about J.R. Smith, right? So J.R. Smith has decided that he wanted to go back to college, get his degree, but J.R. Smith is, is an incredible golfer, so he wants to join the golf team. And he wants, he's trying to get eligibility to play, on, to, to, to play golf for the college because he wants to become a professional golfer. But at the same time, he's going to go back and get his degree. And the thought that came to me, well, he got the time and he got the money. He can do whatever he want to do. Right. He can do whatever he want to do. He got the time and he got the money. Well, let me say it like this. He got the money. So he has the time. Oh. That's how we should say it. Mm. He has the money. So he has the time. Right. right? Yeah, do nothing. The Bible says the Bible says it like this, that we are to redeem the time. The idea of redeeming the time means to buy back 
to rescue from loss, and to improve the quality of opportunity that we have within time, right? There's only one way to buy back time. When we're talking about that, there's only, there's, only, there's only one way to buy back time. There's only one thing that can buy back time, and that's money. That's money. The other day, you hired somebody to cut your grass, and you used the time that you, you spent cutting grass to go, go work on music or do something else, right? You bought back your time. There's things and there's responsibilities that we have in life as a husband, as a father, that require time, right? To own property, to own a home, you got to manage the grass, you got to cut the grass, you got to take the garbage out, you got you to do a lot of things you got to do. Well, if you can hire people to do those things, you've bought back your time. And I want to spend my time on what it is God has called me to do. Excuse me, I don't want to spend time preparing my emails. So what do I do? I hire, I hire my baby right here. Delegate. I delegate. <laughs> And I say, and, and I say, and I say, and I say, and I say, no, no. And I say, I say, when we put, when we start doing these mastermind classes, we're going, what's the split? What's the split? What we said, what I say? 30, 40%, 20%, whatever she going, I'm, I'm, oh, you want more? You want more? Right. I mean, this recording. Listen, whatever, whatever, whatever she wants, she going to get. Cause she, she, she organized like she organized. That's what it's going to be. Right. Because I don't want to spend my time doing that because I want to stay focused on, on, on understanding the revelation and, and writing this thing out. Right. So we buy back our time. You can't buy back your time broke. What do, what do poor people do with their time? Spend it working. Spend it chasing dollars. See now, now, now we get into serving mammon or serving God. Oh my goodness. This thing here, this thing gets so good. It gets so good. Folk running around here. You can't serve God. And mammon. I know. <laughs> right, right. right. What's right. serving mammon though? Right. Serving mammon is when mammon, when you got to work to get the mammon, when you got to work for money. All mammon is the idea behind mammon really speaks to uh, 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 to be the same thing. What says the love of God? It's the same word to be avarice for money, right? But now you're in a place where you where you're working for money. Mm-hmm. See, see, wealthy people can't serve mammon. Wealthy people don't serve mammon. Because they don't work for money, but money works for them. Mm-hmm. See, to serve mammon is to be a mismanager of resources. It's to be a mismanager because you haven't managed what God has given you to the point to where you now have money working for you. You haven't, you haven't discovered the, the natural assets God has given you, which is your gift set. You haven't developed it. You haven't designed it. You haven't deployed it. You haven't learned how to put it in the marketplace and exchange your talent for money instead of your time for money. Right now, you're selling, I shouldn't say right now, most folks, just the job, just think about the, the whole idea of the job, which, which is really a perverted structure. It's a perverted structure where, where you're selling people eight hours of your time, in most cases, to do a job that you can probably do in three hours, four hours. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like like most time you can do that from home in some cases. You don't have to go in like like the, we're really getting at the whole structure of our capitalistic system of our econ- economic structure of how, you know, you know, people. But it's all a part of the enemy's mindset to create a structure that causes you to give your time and exchange your time for money. When it's really designed, when God, the kingdom structure is to exchange your talent for money, not your time. But what happens is when it comes to serving mammon, if 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 mammon, so I'll give you an example. We was in a conversation the other day, and somebody somebody, well, well, you know, 
part of part of what the issue is with most people is that they serve mammon. And I'm saying, well, what does it mean to serve mammon? Uh, well, it means when you when you when you um, when your life is centered around money. No, that's not what it means. That's not what the Bible is talking about. To serve mammon simply means when you when you're serving mammon, when 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 the job or the or the source or the resource by which you get your money from dictates what you do with your time. That's what it means. I always feel like I'm in a corner whenever Papa D does that look like. What you mean by that? Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> if you ain't sure. <laughs> right, because <laughs> right, I'm going to ask you, what, what, what do you mean? Right. What do you mean? Like, like you got to be explaining that to me. Like, that, come on. Don't, don't, That's just... why I be taking so long to explain stuff, because I be thinking about it before I say it, because I right. already know what's coming well, at listen. me. Listen, what do you mean? Because right. we ain't just blowing smoke now. You got to know what you're talking about, right? But to serve mammon is really, it's behind you. You know, if, if the resource that you're connected to is determining and dictating how you spend your time, then that's what you're serving. See, servanthood comes down to where you put your time. It comes down to who gets your time. If you poor and you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to get money. That's where your time is going to go. And there's always a certain amount of time that goes into doing anything that we do. Okay. So we're not going to be silly about it, okay? But, but what I'm talking about is the majority of your time. What dictates or determines your schedule, the scheduling of your time, right? Like, like we have to be in a position to where we eventually get to the point to where we get more money than we need so that we can buy back our time and that we can make better use of our time that we can rescue our time from loss. We can maximize our time. We want to get to where we're making, we're being underpaid, whether it's $15 an hour or $50 an hour. I don't want my, my wage or my salary or my, my, the value of my time being determined by anything less than what God has called me to do. I want my time and the value of my time to be determined by what it is God is coming to do, not what I'm doing for whoever. How would you quantify that? Far as how 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 God how God dictates your time. Give an example. Give you an example. God God is a remunerator. That literally means to overpay. God's going to overpay me. So God may God may God may call me to um, um, uh, create a master class. God calls us to create a master class, right? It takes us, it takes us, what, a week, 40 hours, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying 40 hours to, um, to prepare and, 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 and set up and do everything we got to do to do this master class, right? And, but that master class is going to produce us $100,000, right? When you put hourly wage on $100,000, that's overpayment. It's overpayment. So that's how we would quantify that. Whereas, whereas, you know, depending on what kind of job you get in the, in the job market, I mean, 15, 50, whatever you're doing, you know, nine times out of 10, you're probably being underpaid <laughs> unless you're a professional athlete or something like that. You know, some, some, you know, 1% type job that, you know, the average person not going to even come close to getting. Right. Okay. So I'm going to take a question way back. Yeah. 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 Okay. So when we think about the curse, right, 
And when God was saying how now we have to till the ground and everything, was it really a curse of time? A curse of time. Yeah, like was it was it really about our time that was cursed and not so much about the work that we'll have to do? Well, death takes that away, right? What? Time. Oh, yeah, death takes time away, no doubt about it. So time, man's time was cut short when he sinned. Remember, man was never, he was intended to live forever. He wasn't going to die. So when, when Adam fell, his, he, he lost time, right? And, and, and the more sin became rooted in the soul, in the psyche, in the body of man, his time began to dwindle away slowly but surely from uh, what, what uh, 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 Adam lived how long? 800, 900 years, and now it's down to like 120 years, right? Right? Um, so you were saying that it was a curse of time. Uh, was it a curse of time? You know, I, I would have to think about that uh, because the, the, the idea of the sweat of the brow speaks more to the intensity of the work. See, I don't believe that God intended for man to work, you know, by the sweat of his brow. The idea to work behind the sweat of your brow is really to work yourself to death. That's the, that's the extreme of it. It's to work yourself to death, like, like to work yourself hard to where, you know, after so long you become decrepit, you become old and you break down. Like, I don't believe that's the case. I believe, I believe God has called us to be the idea of being a more than a conqueror. It means to have sweatless victory. It's, I mean, I had, I had to work hard to do that. I had to work too hard to do that. People call that spoiled. They call that spoiled, right? Yeah, they do call that, that spoiled. That sounds so good to be true, to be honest. Right, right. No, that, no. The gospel, the gospel, God has designed the gospel to sound so good that it's hard to believe. Like, it's hard to believe. So then, if people don't believe, is that, is, I mean, that's not abnormal then, right? Well, it's, so well, well it's, ab, it's abnormal in the sense of you should believe it. Right, right, right. <laughs> you got to believe it. That's, that's, probably, the that's probably the problem. You should believe it. Like, like, like I never forget, I was in a meeting and, uh, uh, and I was in, you know, it was in a youth football thing. And I was, you know, I used to give, I used to help them pay for them to go to Florida. You know, the church, we used to don't, we used to give and for people to go to Florida and, and, and I was giving. And then one of the, one of the coaches stood up in the room and was like, well, what you want out of this? Mm. I said, nothing. I want to see y'all have the time of your life. Cause I lived in Florida. I done done all this stuff. It's y'all that haven't experienced this. Right. right? Oh, you want something. What, what you, what you getting out of? I ain't getting nothing out of it. Ain't nobody that good. I said, yes, it is. People, there are people that good. I said, God is that good. You know, so it's hard for some people to believe just how good our salvation is. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repent. Mm -hmm. Like God wants you, to, he wants to be so good to you that it affects the way you think about you. That it affects the, see, the reason people don't think people are that can be that good to them is because they have a, they have a poor value of who they are. If they had a better value of who they are, then they would realize, no, you should be being this good to me. Right. You should be treating me like this. Oh, let's not. Oh, God. Because you already know. When D-Walk into somewhere. I'm not even. I knew what you were doing. Listen, if folk act funny, if folk act funny, I'm going the other way. You acting funny? Okay. I'll see you later. You're lost. You're bad. You're, you're lost. You want that funny? There must be something wrong with them. No, it's got to be. It's got to be. No, it's got to be. Let a king walk in the room and you honor him as a king. All right, I'll see y'all later. Man. Yeah, all right. <laughs> what did what did when when Jesus went to the town and folks told him to leave? What did he do? All right, I'm out. I'll see y'all. Y'all don't want to honor me as a king. Y'all don't want to receive what I got for you. Y'all don't want to. Y'all don't want to. You know, honor me. Stand up for me. Okay. Bye bye. And some people would see that as arrogance. That's fine. See, it's always like that. arrogance is so arrogance and confidence. Almost they they're identical. Right. 
They look just alike. You got to get on the inside of them, though, to determine which one is arrogance and which one is confidence. Mm. Jesus was a very confident man. He says, I, I, I am the way. I'm the way. All them other folk. No, no, no. I'm the way. I'm the truth and I'm the light. You want eternal life? You got to come through me. You got to come through me. The scriptures y'all reading, that's about me. You think, you think it knows you got eternal life? No, they talking about me. That wasn't arrogance. That wasn't pride. Actually, it was humility because he was thinking about himself like God thinks about himself. See, we have this false sense of humility that if I downplay who I am, if I put myself down, if I say that I'm a sinner and I'm not worthy and I don't deserve this. And if it wasn't, but we think that's that's not humility. Humility is thinking about you, what God thinks about you. It's saying about you what God says about you. What does God say about you? That's humility. People are actually walking around in pride, a different dimension of pride, a different aspect of pride, and don't even realize it. People are walking around in humility, but to the folks on the outside, it looks prideful. It's not pride. I just know who I am. I'm chosen, baby. I'm chosen. I'm chosen. Listen, I'm chosen. And listen, when I'm chosen, <laughs> when I'm chosen, listen, you better watch out. I'm chosen. Because when God says, I'm th- that, 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 that's our spiritual wealth. We were talking the other night. We just did a, a, a um, clubhouse the other night. We are talking about the spiritual wealth. Spiritual wealth begins when you realize that you're chosen. If he's in the first chapter, third verse, he says, he has chosen us in him from the foundation of the world. I'm chosen. Oh, wasn't that your last podcast? Yeah, we, yeah, we, no, actually, we did talk about that on the last podcast. I'm chosen. Mm-hmm. Sister Leslie asked a good question. She said, what's the difference between called and chosen? The mindset. David was chosen because why? He, had, he wanted the mind of the king. See, when you don't have a mind of the king, a true king, man, listen, he know he chosen. Ain't nothing you can tell me. This, this, I'm chosen for this. I want all the land. I want all the resources. I'm chosen because when I'm chosen, I'm equipped. I'm anointed. I'm gifted. I'm favored. I'm blessed. When I'm chosen, I get all of that stuff. Call all that come with chosen. Can you, can you, have, a mind, can you have a mindset that manages well without you knowing you're chosen? Yeah, you can. You can, you, like, like, like. Well, let me back up. Let me back up. You said, can you have a mindset to manage well without knowing you're chosen? I would say to a certain degree. To a certain degree. You can do that. You can still have a mindset to do and, man- and do things well without knowing that you're chosen. So just not to the degree? Just not to the highest degree. Right? right, right. right? Remember, life, life is formatted for three degrees. Right? Out of court, in the court, holy place. 30, 60, 100 fold. Right? It's formatted for three degrees. So we got to know how to enter into that third degree. Good, acceptable, perfect. Right. We got to know how to enter into that third degree of what it is that that God has called us to. Good and good enough. Very good. Still ain't good enough. It's the perfect we're after. It's the perfect we're after. So we have to understand that. And then when we come into that place where we recognize and we'll become wealthy spiritually, then we become better managers. Like like God. Management is so important to God that he actually held up creation in a sense. The Bible says he did not cause it to rain upon the earth. So things can grow. So things can begin to produce. Why? Because he didn't have a man in place. See, a lot of times things are withheld from our life because we're not at the place where we can manage it properly. Man, that thing, think on that thing. That thing affects everything. 
It affects your prayer life. See, a lot of folks are praying for stuff that they ain't ready to manage. They ain't ready to manage it properly. God sent up this and listen, son. He, he ain't praying for that. He ain't ready for that. It's interesting, though, because I think that people will fall back on that God's timing thing. Like, if it's not here, it's because it's in God's No, it's because you ain't ready. Yeah. And, and more so, that's a coping mechanism for when they don't get it. That's true. Because they don't have the right understanding of it. Remember, who saw the movie? Who saw the movie? Remember the movie? Um, what's the movie came out when the boy was uh, uh, Jack Nicholas and, and it was in the neighbor movie? And, uh, and uh, the, the golfer Jack Nicholas? Oh, I'm not Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholson? Jack Nicholson, yeah. Jack Nicholson. Yeah, Jack Nicholson. Not Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson, yeah. Uh, and what's the boy's name? The boy's name, uh, Jack Reacher. What's his play Jack Reacher? What's his name? Oh, oh. Uh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise and uh, it's Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. You think about the TV show? No. Oh. And, and the dude said, and, the, and Jack Nicholson said, you can't handle the truth. Right. Remember that part? Few good men. Few good men. A lot of folks can't handle the stuff. They can't handle the truth. They can't handle the stuff that they're asking God for. And I get they want it and they're excited about it and they're happy about it and they want this and they want that. But listen, you got to be able to manage it. You got to be in a position that you can control it. You got to be in a position where you can take care of it, where you can make it, manage it, and you can multiply it. You got to be in that position. Your time, your time. Jesus said this. Jesus gave some parables, right? The first one he gave was, we talked about already when he went to the steward. He says, listen, I heard something wrong. I saw I heard you ain't been doing right. He said, now give me an account of your stewardship, right? He says, because if, I, if what I heard is true, you can no longer be a steward. That's a tough one right there. That's a tough one right there. If what I heard about you is true, you're going to lose whatever you got. He, and parable of the talent the same way. Take from him that wickedness lawful, that lazy boy, take from him. And give it to the one that had. He already got 10. Because he got what he's supposed to have. He's about, Jesus is about exalting managers. The parable of the talents. He's about exalting managers. He, those, the one who had five, he managed it the way he was supposed to manage it. He said, put him in control of the city. Put him in control of the city. Like, if we're going to come into control, like the church is called to become in control, we got to become excellent managers. we got to become excellent stewards. Not owners, but stewards. See, the problem, the problem that the prodigal son ran into was he had an owner's mentality, not a, not a steward mentality, not a manager's mentality. He went to his dad and said, give me my money. That's my money. I want, to own, I want my money. I want to control my money. And you see what happened when he got in control of it. What the prodigal son did when, when he got his stuff is what most people do if God was to give him their stuff. Because he wasn't ready to manage it. He wasn't ready to manage it. That thing took over him. He started hanging out with all kinds of people. He started doing all kinds so, of stuff. So, okay. So then when, speaking of that, I feel like um, a, a lot of people in our community, because of what we see, once we get a lot of money, we want to get the gold, we want to get the cars, we want to get... That's because we ain't never had none. That's easy. I right. understand that. But mm-hmm. it's a lot of people that have money that aren't managing it well, mm-hmm. but they're consistently knowing how to multiply their money. Right. They're doing something, they, they doing something to make it that enables them to keep making it and keep, misma- and keep mismanaging it. Okay, so I, I know that you always say that the kingdom has systems in place, mm-hmm. and I ask you this all the time, but there really is a way to to know to know a system without knowing who you are. Like, without knowing that you're chosen, without knowing your actual gifts and talents. Well, if you're getting at something, what, what, what are you thinking about? Is, is, it sounds like you're thinking about, like, why is it is it the idea that folks who don't know God still prosper? Mm-hmm. 
No, I wasn't getting there. Yeah, what's the thought? Oh, why wow. you, you, you thought, thought that too? I thought that's no, I just I just really I just really want to understand because I know right now it's it's about mindset. Right. And it just seems like people who don't have a true mindset of something still knows how to work things in their in their favor to multiply. Right. But the, the ideal person you're talking about would be those who don't know God but yet they're still prospering. You don't even though they have a it, it might seem as though it, it's almost like Man, I would almost say it's like it's, it's hard not to. To some degree, they have a sense of who they are. Like people who are like you take some some of the wealthiest men in the world. They'll tell you they had a sense that they were they were they weren't supposed to be normal. OK, yeah. they may not know it like we know it. Kanye West grew up in the church. Then he right. Away, knew exactly who he was. Right. When he first came well, out because I think I think I think a lot of Kanye's success is because his mama. His mama was saved woman. she prayed oh, 100%. for him. Mama. Yeah, so yeah, I think I, a lot of what he riding on is the mama's prayers. Right. Right. Well, God, see, remember now, there's a place where God, God's faithfulness to the children is not because of the children. Right. It's because of what I promised your mama. Right. I told I told your forefathers that I was going to take care of you. So you might be a knucklehead. Thank God for but I got a word that I gave your mama that I got to fulfill. Right. right. And I think a lot of that could be that. Now, you know that. But we got to we got to bring that into the equation. All I'm saying right? is that he knew who he was before he. Yeah, really exactly. But his mama, his mama saved mama used to tell him like he did. I saw him talking about something. His, he said my, his mama taught him who he was, right. made him feel like, listen, I'm, I know who I am and I know what I can do. You know, in spite of what he might be living, he had that inside of him. So where you're going with it is it, it, even even unsaved folks, they have a sense of being different, not being normal, not following the crowd, so but to be unique. Who they are. Right. And remember, so when the Bible says man shall die, it's like it's like he's in a coma, like our spirit man is in a coma. It's still there, but it's like he's in a coma. Some folks, if you've ever been around folks who's in a, who are in a coma, they can still hear you. They just can't respond because they're in a comatose state. Right. right? Our spirit man is almost like. It's dead, but not all the way, <laughs> but not all the way, right? It can still take in, but it hasn't yet apprehended. <laughs> yeah, I guess you, I, I don't know how to quite explain it, but but it's still there. So there's an element of spirituality, even in while we were dead in sin, that was still kind of there. I don't know how to explain it, right? That's how that's how new age folk and other religions that you know deal with the spirituality that's how they're able to even exist because there's like a faint hint of something i don't know what to say what it is but most successful people and highly successful people have this sense of who they are and what they can do even though they may not know it like we as believers know it from the word of god it rains on the just as well as the unjust because they have that sense. So, yeah, you can know you can still be successful and you can understand money management. You can understand the three elements of wealth creation, making money, managing money and multiplying money mm -hmm. and not really know who you are the way God would have you to know who you are. Mm -hmm. That can still happen. So then that's so then that's that's still like step one. So so for a lot of people, it's really because, you don't like they may not have that thing, like that thing about. Who, who am I, who I'm called mm -hmm. to be, like they really don't have that. Mm -hmm. They don't have it, well, again, to the highest degree. Okay. But they have it to the first power. In a coma. Right. They, right. They're in a, in a coma, or they can have it 
to the first power. They can have it to the second power. They can have it, but they don't have it to the third power. But they have a sense of who they, like when you listen to all your, all your self-help gurus, all these folks that's helping people become confident in who they are, making millions of dollars. When you look at all those people, all they're using, all they're doing is using biblical principles to inspire people to believe in themselves and have confidence in themselves. It's all the same. So in a sense, again, it's not the highest degree, but it's, it's functional, it's workable. And it can and it can produce a certain and yield a certain level of success. You know, but we have something, we have something that's even greater. And that's what that's actually what. Jesus brought out in the parable of the steward when, when the steward finally went and did something. He says, he says, this is the problem. This is the problem. The children of darkness. Not only do they know how to make, manage, multiply money, but they apply it. Whereas my folk. He knew what to do. He just did, wasn't doing it. He just wasn't doing it. Religion will keep us from applying the kingdom principles for making, managing, multiplying money because we think it's more pious not to pursue. But we can't serve God and mammon. Be quiet. Be quiet. Because you don't know what you're talking about. It's aggravating because God's people are in poverty because of those religious statements. And then we run around here crying and boo-hooing when, when the world starts making us start making stuff happen and we're not a part of it and we complain about it when we if we do things the way God would have us do it we would be the rulers and you ain't gonna be a ruler unless you're rich according to the word of God the rich ruleth over the poor you're not gonna be a uh, a a lender if you're broke you're gonna be a borrower and the borrower becomes servant to the lender but when we come into a position where we we follow the um, the plan of God and we understand the mechanisms of making, managing and multiplying. Then we will become rulers. And then we'll become the lenders and then we we'll become those who has the who can create the solutions. Once you start creating solutions for a community, they're going to exhaust you. Once you start creating the solution for a community, they're going to give you the voice. They're going to give you this, the position you need to establish a culture. But but we got this notion and religion has got us to thinking that, man, listen, you want to serve God. Then, some folks told me you want to serve God. You can't you can't you can't be you can't have your own business. You can't be wealthy. Man said, I'm glad you made a whole lot of money when you're playing football because you don't make no money being a preacher. What? What? Man, I don't want to be no preacher. man. I'm going, I'm going on with that. Man. So it, it's, it's, you know. We have to get to the place to where we manage our, we understand that our time and our money are the power of properties that we need to serve God in a way that we can serve God. Is it possible for, because the, the more I think about it, the, the more I come to the conclusion that none of this can happen at the perfect level without, I guess, a, 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 I'll just say without faith mm -hmm. as a whole, mm -hmm. right? Because uh, there's there's degrees of it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But is it possible for people who are not saved to still be operating in faith? Not the God kind of faith. Okay. Ah. Can you explain that? Ah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. That's why I'm being caught up because at some so, point. So, yeah. So the God kind of faith. So I heard somebody talking the other day and they were talking about faith and they were talking about, you know, there is, there is, there is what we would call a, I don't even know how I'll call it, a fallen faith, the faith of the fallen light. So, so because man is created in the image and likeness of God, I mean, there's a, there's a degree of faith that he naturally lives with. Like, like God is a faith God. 
um, we got faith that this chair ain't going to hold you. That's what people would call faith. I wouldn't call that the God kind of faith, right? I would call that natural human faith. It's just a natural element of faith that we live by. But that's not the faith Jesus is talking about. Would, See, you, would you categorize that more as hope or faith? Faith. I, was, I would call it, I, wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't call it hope, but um, it's, it's a natural, uh, it's, I don't even know if I can call it faith. That's why I'm, I'm going back, I, I've always gone back and forth with that. Um, I would call it presumption, I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. I would call it presumption. We're presuming that if we sit in this chair, it's not going to fall, it's not going to fall. It's not faith, it's presumption. And there's a level of presumption that, that, you, can, that you can depend on, mm-hmm. Right. You know, if I inspect the chair, if I make sure the things ain't they screwed in right and it's, they all everything's sold together, then I can presume that I can sit in this chair and I'm good. That's what people that's what people call faith like that. It's actually presumption. It's not faith. True biblical faith does not start until you hear a word. When we talk about faith, remember, it's always important. We got to go back to the original. We got to go back to the father, faith, Abraham and his life and his faith was predicated on. He believed that which was spoken. So until something is spoken, good job, until something is spoken, until something is spoken, until something is spoken, you can't believe it. It ain't the written that we live by. It's not the written that we live by. I know folks screaming, looking at the throwing stuff at this view now. It ain't the written that we live by. I know that's tough. That's a tough one right there. That's a tough one. Okay. That's a tough one. That that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I know. Because folks live by the written. They think they live by the written. Jesus told you you don't live by the written. Since you live by the spoken. Now the spoken contains the written. But you don't live by the written. You live by the spoken. But if you, if you don't know the written, you won't recognize the spoken. So the written is important. But it's not, it's not designed for me to live by. The letter kill it. Ain't no life in the letter. But the spirit giveth life. That's what the Bible says. The letter killeth. The letter, the letter by itself, the logos by itself don't give life. The rhema, which contains the spirit of the word, the spirit of the letter is what gives you life. But we got folks who have been trained to live by the written. That's why they struggle. That's why they yo-yo. That's why they roller coaster. <laughs> That's why they up and down. That's why they get tired. And they burn out. And they need a break from the church. They need a sabbatical because they're trying to live by the written. They call it live by the written. You live by the spoken. Jesus said, listen, it was plain. He said, listen, listen, man shall not live by bread alone because based off the written, based off the written, figure that thing out. Huh? It, it did something different this time. It did something different. Listen, <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen. Jesus, Jesus said, but because based, according to the written, <laughs> according to the written, Jesus supposed to, Jesus was, was, he's supposed to turn stone into the bread based off the written. He's supposed to do something. If, according to the written, you should cast yourself down. And the angels are going to bear you up based off the written. But God didn't speak to Jesus to throw himself down on top. God didn't speak to Jesus to turn bread into wine. He didn't speak to him to do that. He didn't speak to him to throw himself down from the top of the, top of the temple. He didn't speak to him to turn that bread into wine. He said, no, nah, I ain't heard that from God. I heard that from you. But if you go by the written, he, he should have did it. You know, so. No, when you're talking about faith, son, faith begins with hearing the spoken word of your king. Until that happened, you ain't living by faith. You're living by presumption. You can't blame this one on me because you kept it going. 
No, actually, you did the last the last question. Right, right. Oh, don't come around the corner. 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 She has not been in sight oh, for the entire around the corner, right? right next to that camera. Right? Oh, around the corner. Okay, so, yeah. last thoughts. No, that's it, babe. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Did we cover everything? I wanted to cover um, money management. Um, there's three aspects of making money, earn, portfolio, and passive. Uh, I wanted to get to the money management part. This five, I'm good. And I got to read that. This is important. We got to read this one. We got to read this one. real quick, real quick, real quick. Uh, God got a money management methodology, right? It's found in Genesis 4, 20, 47, 24. And it talks about there is there. Um, Joseph said, and it shall come to pass in the increase that you shall give a fifth part. And, he, and you break your money up in, in, in the fifth part. That's five. That's 20 percent increments, right? 20 percent goes to God. Honor, honor the Lord with your substance. 20 percent goes to your personal investments and saving investments and reinvestment into your business. 20 percent goes to your food and take care of your family, your uh, your natural care, your health care, your nutrition, your exercise, your rest, recovery. 20 um, percent goes to your household expenses, you know, whatever your household expenses are. And 20 percent should go into some uh, money multiplying instrument for your children. That's how God breaks down how we should manage our money. Right. So I want to get that in. And then how you multiply money. The guy kind of way, the king way to multiply money is through real estate, through gold, through silver. And I added technology and natural resources. Like we have to have an eye on what's, what the future holds. Those who see 10 years down the road are those who come into the wealth. And, that, and that, that's, that's when the wealth transfer takes place, when you're able to see where, where the culture is going. And you're able to predict that in, in 10 years, this, this is going to be a necessity in the marketplace or this is going to be a necessity in the community. And then you're able to begin to plan for that and you see and then people come into where you are and that's when you make millions. That's when you that's when you that's the moment you go to the next level. That's when you're billionaire status. So, yeah, I'm done now. <laughs> OK, um, make sure you like, comment, make sure you ask any questions that we have that you have. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 this yeah, has yeah. been a great episode of management and what matters most. Until next time, be blessed and stay safe.